You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Hey, it's good to see you guys uh, here today. We're closing out our sermon series entitled Bring Back the Mixtape, man. So what a, what a great testimony. Would you give those folks a round of applause for sharing part of their story? Uh, if you're new or you kind of missed the last few weeks, uh, the idea and concept is that we're remembering those early days of our marriage and, and some of those feelings of, of that bold love and, and, and all of those warm, fuzzy feelings that we experience in those early uh, moments of dating. And, and we're realizing as married couples that those feelings were never meant to last and they were definitely not enough to sustain us. And, and help us to become a healthy, growing couple. And so we, we need a new mix. Uh, and so we've got to continually refresh that playlist in our life and, and in our marriage so that we can continue to grow and, and actually enjoy our marriage. And so today as we wrap up the series, I want to give you a practical, practical, practical playlist to refresh your marriage. And so today I wanted to really close on, on really some fundamental things that are necessary for us to have a healthy, growing marriage uh, biblically. And so uh, this week I, I just sat down with my wife, Micah. We've been married for 19 years, and, and I just said, hey, look, when we get to like year, you know, anniversary 50, uh, anniversary 60, if we're blessed enough to get to that day, like what do you want that our life to kind of look like in that moment? What's the picture that we're kind of moving towards? And, and uh, as we started having that conversation, by the way, great conversation to have with your spouse, um, we, we just started saying things like, man, we, we really want to be in love with each other. We want to be in love with life. You know, we, we want to be serving in our church if we can still get out of bed. Um, we want to be, in, you know, in a place where we're still using the gifts that, that God has given to us. And we still want to be holding hands. We still want to be growing spiritually as a couple. Uh, we want to be in love, right? We want to be that couple that's still holding hands, making out in the car if, if, if I'm lucky enough, right? You know, taking hits off of each other's oxygen tanks, right? <laughs> Your turn, honey, Right? Like whatever it takes in, in that season of our life, ultimately we, we want to be in love and we want to be enjoying each other and having fun together, right? How many of you guys who are married would say, I like how that picture looks? How many of you by a show of hands? Let me see. I'm going to hands all over, obviously. Why? Why do, we, why do we raise our hands to that? And I think it's because ultimately God has given us the ability to love one another, and he's called us to a, a, a marriage that is a covenant that, that will last for our entire life. And so somewhere deep within our spiritual DNA, we, we all just long to be with a soulmate, right? To be with that person till the end of our life. We just know that's, that's his design. That's, that's his, his path for our marriages. And so we long for that. But to get there, we've got to continually refresh our playlist. We've, we've got to refresh that. And, and so today, let's look at some things that are super practical, um, nothing mind-blowing today, but, but I know biblical and important for every single one of us, no matter where we're at in our relationship and marriage. So let's get going. First thing I would say, if you're taking notes, number one is to focus on godliness. Focus on godliness in your marriage you must be committed 
to spiritual growth in your life. Godliness means that you're going to live a devout life for God because of what Christ has done in your life. And, And so it means living a life of worship to Christ in respect of Christ. And so it's, it's, he's really the center of your life and, and you're running after him. You're, you're, you're beginning to change and allowing the Holy Spirit to change your heart and to move you in a direction that would honor him. There's this desire to be like him in attitude and in action. It's, it's taking his mindset on. It's, it's living out the character and qualities of what Jesus demonstrated to us. And, and the more I grow in godliness, the more I'm aware of my sin. And the more I'm aware of my sin, the more opportunity you and I have to actually repent of sin. And listen, in repentance draws us into a deeper worship of Jesus. You want to know Jesus on a deeper level? Then begin to practice repentance on a regular basis. As, as Steve was saying in, in, in the video, that, like he's still learning, but he's got to a point to where, listen, you've got to be drawn towards that concept and, and understand it's going to require that commitment in order to grow in your, in your marriage, in your relationship. And so think about it this way. The opposite of godliness is godless. And I'm afraid there are just too many, you know, marriages where there's just simply, you know, no God. There, there's no prayer time. There's, there, there's, there's no time in the Word of God. You know, you, you maybe show up on Sunday, but, you know, from Monday to Saturday, God is absent in your conversations. He's absent in, in just your, your lifestyle, And so for you and I, we've got to make this commitment, like if we're going to last, and not just last, but enjoy it, then there's this requirement that, that godliness must be our focus. There's, there's, it's, it's, you know, the most important day of your life is not the day that you said yes in your marriage or yes to your spouse. The most important day of your life was the day that you said yes to following Jesus, And following Jesus means that you began training yourself to become like him. I'm not talking about a prayer that you prayed. I'm talking about the commitment that said, I am going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to change me. And I'm going to run after Jesus. Like I'm committing my life to him and I'm serving him and I'm allowing him to change me. This is what training really looks like. Here's what the, uh, the Bible talks about in 1 Timothy 4. Paul says, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promises for both the present and the life to come. So Paul's encouragement here is, look, train yourself physically, eat right, you know, exercise, stay in shape, that's of some value, but, but training yourself in, in, in Christ's likeness or, or being godly, he says, is of far more value. Because why? It has consequences for the present. It impacts your present life, but it also impacts the life to come. You're, you're investing in eternity, right? There are rewards that you're going to experience because of the godly life that you live today. So present and future benefits. The Greek word here for train comes from a a, a Greek word called gymnazo. It's where we get our word gymnasium. And so you can kind of get the idea and concept of training. We go to the gym, we train. And and, uh, listen, godliness doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. 
It takes training. It takes years. Sometimes it takes suffering. Some, it, it takes some painful experiences in our life. God, God shouts in our pain, C.S. Lewis once said. And, and so for us, I know a lot of guys, know, I know a lot of ladies who will go to the gym and they will, you know, train and they'll spend a lot of time working out, but, but they spend little, if any, time training spiritually. There's a lot of people who spent, you know, over an hour getting ready to come to church today. You get the hair, you get the makeup, you got all the stuff, and, you know, compound that a couple of times a day every single week. And you think about how many hours we spend getting ready and, and presenting ourselves physically. And then you compare that by how much time have we invested and trained our spiritual life. And I think it's an indictment on us. So we want to, we've got to, you know, this practical concept of, of growing in godliness and training ourselves. The most impactful thing that you will ever do for your marriage, that will bless your marriage, that will bless your kids, your career, and your life, is to focus on growing spiritually. And that means being intentional about it. Yes, attending church. Yes, in a small group. But your private worship as well. And so that brings me to my, my next point, which is you've got to commit to the study of God's Word together. So if we're going to be intentional about our, our spiritual growth, then we need to be intentional and commit ourselves to study the Word of God together. So if you're in a small group, you can check this box because that's what you're doing. You're, you're gathering with a group of people to study the Word of God. You're with your spouse. You're, you're taking that conversation hopefully at home as well. You're talking about it over lunch or breakfast or, or dinner or text messages. And, and so that's drawing you closer together around the Word of God. And you got to realize the Word of God is essentially, it, it's a mixtape. The Word of God is a mixtape. It's filled with God's wisdom, His love, His plan, His purpose for your life. And the more you connect to God's mixtape, the more the two of you are going to fall in love with the rhythm of authentic love. And so we want to fall in love with the Word of God and its, and its truth. And the closer I get to God's Word and the closer I get to God, the closer I'm going to get to my spouse. But it's not only studying the Word, it's also obeying the Word. So we've got to commit to obey the Word of God together. This is a together thing as a couple, right? And so I think we are educated far beyond our obedience. And, and by that, I mean that we know a lot of stuff. And we know a lot about what the Bible says. So I think a focus for many couples in the room is not learning anything new. It's just actually applying what you already know. It's actually doing the things that, that you know you need to do. And if you do that, I believe God would bless you in immeasurable ways. We want our spouse to change all the time, don't we? Well, if he would just get his act together, then I would. If she would just do this, then I would, right? So we, we tend to always focus on how the other person needs to change. I get that. I'm, I'm like that as well. But, but what we've got to learn is we can't change anyone. You can't change your spouse, you can influence them, love on them, pray for them. You, you can't change them. The only person in this room that you can change is yourself. And we know this to be true, but so often we just spend so much time trying to change other people. And so for us, we, we want to we go inwardly right, and begin to, to look at our own heart and, and our own ways that we are failing as a follower of Jesus and, and how we are, are, are failing as a, as a spouse and how we can become 
better. So you and I, we've got to focus on godliness if we're going to get to this level in our marriage where we're enjoying it and we're blessing each other. Here's the next passage of Scripture that I think is important for us. Jesus says this in Matthew 20. He says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the same word for servant and slave, it's the same word and same concept. And, and here we're learning that, that, that here is Jesus, and, and he, is, he is coming with all authority, right, from heaven. And he is coming to earth to serve us, right? And so if we're thinking in, in, in the lane of marriages today, that means that that you and I have to focus on serving in our marriages. I know it's super simple, right? But just think about this. Think about the ways in which this would change your marriage in an incredible way. Like you can be nice to your spouse if you're not a Christian. You can serve him. You can serve her in some ways. But you will never come close to the level of servanthood that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew Like you will never come close to it unless you have given your life to Christ and you are focused on growing spiritually. It just won't happen. It's such a deep level. You'll never get there unless you have Jesus helping you get there. And he's saying that, listen, I'm the son of God. I'm I'm, I'm leaving heaven. I'm coming to earth for a group of sinners, a group of rebellion, uh, rebellious sinners who who aren't seeking me. And I'm I'm going with all of all power, with all authority, I'm coming to earth to serve in a way that would cost him his life. Ultimately, he would have to give his life, and and he would do this willingly, right? And this isn't a, oh, he died in his sleep, It it was a pretty death. No, it was a humiliating death. He suffered for you. He was beaten for you. He was willing to do this to take your place and to serve you so that you might have forgiveness, so that you might have heaven one day, and so that you might actually enjoy your marriage. This is the gospel, and this is the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. And so I, when it comes to servanthood, I know, you know we've got to change our attitude in marriage because so quickly we, we get into the idea of me versus you, right? And, and, and so we pit each other on different sides, and, 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 and we're, it's me against you, and, and what we have to do is realize we're on the same team. Right? Early on in our marriage, uh, we started having a lot of kids. We have four kids, and um, my wife early on uh, just felt led to stay at home with the kids, and so that was a financial sacrifice for us, but we, we knew that's what she wanted to do and, and good, and so we did it. And uh, along that way, as I'm diving into ministry, you know, young guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving everything at work nine to five, right? So I'm busting at ministry and serving and doing all this stuff for the churches that I was serving in at that time. And and so when I would come home, you know, I'd be like, all right, man, hard day, a lot of stuff going on, stressful. I, I, I want to go home, and, and I, it's time for Trent to chill. It's time for Trent time, right? I need to hit the couch, and I just need to relax, right? Well, I had to learn uh, very quickly, um, and, and still have to learn this, that, that my nine-to-five job is my second job. And so that, that drive home is my pregame talk to get myself ready for my first job, which is to serve my wife and to serve my family. 
And so I'm, I'm talking to myself, all right, don't, go, don't get selfish. I know it was a hard day. I know you were dealing with this, but we're going to leave all that stuff down. I'm not going to bring that stress into my marriage. I'm not going to bring that situation and, and, and lash out at my kids. Like I've got a you know, pregame talk on the way home to get ready because when I get home and when my kids were little, I'm walking through the door, right? And they are running to me and they're hugging me. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with them. I'm playing games with them. I'm grilling the hamburgers if need be, right? I'm, I'm doing whatever is necessary to help my wife and, and give her a break and uh, give her some adult conversation because she hasn't had it all day, right? And, and, and so all of these things is, is what it means to be a, 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 a husband that serves your family. It's not you time. We got to get that through our head, guys. Like, me time happens when the kids are fed, they're in bed, homework has been done, right? My wife is, is uh, you know, she, she's got everything, you know, situated in the house. And so when everybody goes to bed, like then it's Trent time. Then I can, you know, watch TV. I can read. I can whatever. I can go to sleep. What I've learned is it's either I've got to wake up before everybody wakes up for Trent time, or I wait until everybody goes to bed for that time. And, and so that's a, a significant way of putting your family first. So when it comes to serving, we've got to change your attitude. It's not a me versus you. We're a team. And it's not easy. It never was intended to be easy. God told us after the fall in Genesis chapter 3, by the sweat of your brow, men. And so it's going to be hard work. As they get older, I've got teenagers. Now it's not so much physically. It's more mental things that you got to deal with. But uh, all good stuff, right? And, and, and so we're changing our attitude. Remember Ephesians chapter 5 on week 1. We looked at it and we saw that, okay, men are called to be the spiritual leaders of the home. Right? That, that was the call. But I, I love how it, it, it follows with that, that concept of husbands love your wives as what? As Christ loved the church. That is a level of servanthood that the world has never seen. Because that is a sacrificial love, a dying to what I want for the good and benefit of the other person, right? We, we, we talk about that structure in the family, but I love how verse uh, 21 uh, starts off the whole conversation in Ephesians 5. Go back and look at it. It starts off by saying, submitting to one another in love. So there's this idea of mutual submission in marriage, the idea that, yes, I'm going to die to my needs. I'm going to submit to what my wife needs. She's going to submit to me and what I need at times. And there's this, this, this give and take as the same team serving God together. So we, we look at each other in a different light. We serve one another. And this is huge in a marriage. It's huge for you and I. As, we, as, as, as we're thinking about growing closer to Christ, as we think about uh, having a marriage that we, we want to enjoy as we want to not only enjoy this marriage, but bless each other and make it to that year 50 and year 60 in the future. So here's a practical idea, some practical things. So I would say start taking away the regular task of your spouse. Whatever that regular task that your, your spouse consistently does for you, just randomly take that away. So, you know, guys, um, hate to stereotype this, but if your wife is the one that does, you know, a lot of the cleaning the dishes or whatever after dinner, take that task away from her from time to time. You know, for, 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 for maybe, maybe take that over, right? She may pass out. Um, I, she may have to teach you how to do it. I don't know. 
But at the end of the day, take that task away from her. Uh, Ladies, if he's the one that kind of plans the date night or plans the whatever, surprise him and plan it yourself and and say, tonight we're going out and and, and, and I've got sitters. And just learn to see uh, this practical sense of how you can serve your spouse every single day. You'll have plenty of opportunities if you're looking for him. There's plenty every single day, small things that you can begin to do that would bless her or bless him. Uh, one of the things that I'm working on, I know this reveals like a very shallow level of my life, but um, <laughs> when, sometimes when I drive my wife's car, like I'll bring it back and the, the gas light is on and she hates that. She hates it, right? And so she's like, I can't believe you, in a nice way, uh, and I can't believe you brought the car home and the gas light is on. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't pay attention to really any of the gauges. The light doesn't bother me. I I can go days with the light on. Uh, Stresses her out though. So it's just kind of one of those things that I've got to like intentionally make sure I do a better job at. And your wife is going to have her own set of things as well. Every single one of us are going to be different on what that little irritating thing is. But, but what I've learned in healthy relationships is this. In healthy relationships, love is expressed in the little things. I'm a big picture guy, so I struggle with this. I'm a big, you know, vacation or big weekend or big date night or big present or big whatever. I do good at that, right? But the everyday little things is, is, is sometimes a struggle, but... But my wife is a detailed person, like, and, and so it's the, it's the com, uh, it, it's the, you know, multiplication and, and, and combination of all these little things that I've said or that I've done, show her that I love her, right? And, and, and so as couples, we've got to be intentional about serving each other. And I know some people have actually said this to me, like when I talk about, like, you got to serve each other. You guys aren't serving each other. You're fighting all the time. You got to serve one another. The question always comes back, well, well what if I do all the serving? What if I decide, okay, I'm going to serve, and I start serving him, and then he doesn't serve me back? What happens then? What kind of marriage is that going to be? I say, well, congratulations. You'll be just like Jesus. You'll be just like him because he serves a group of people that rarely honor and serve him, right? People always come back and say, well, you know, um, I, I don't know if they actually deserve this, it's just not about deserving that, right? For, for us in marriage, we've got to come to this understanding that so much in marriage is just not natural for us. Uh, for guys especially, like, you know, we don't have to have significant conversations. <laughs> We're like bullet point, you know, big picture. And uh, we, we could go two, three, four, five months without a significant conversation. It doesn't bother us. We don't need that. Uh, but your wife does. And so we've, we've, we've got to look her in the eyes. We've got to listen to this boring story. I mean, this good story. <laughs> we've got to listen. Listen, this is so practical, right? But why do we fail so miserably at this? Like my wife all the time, is, she's talking, and, and, and I'm there. And I'm not looking at my phone, but she can tell I'm not there. She's like, are you listening to me? I'm like, oh, uh, could you repeat that, please, right? I mean, it happens all the time. Why? Man, I've got to be intentional about listening. It's not natural for us oftentimes. And maybe, maybe for you, it's like, wives, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to cuddle up with him and watch the, you know, the, the game that he wants to watch. And you don't normally do that, but maybe that's what you'll do. Why? That's a practical little thing that you do to serve one another. 
This is a huge practical step that you and I can do uh, as, as married folks to, to serve one another. The new mix, this new playlist in your marriage, to get to, get to that 50, 60-year anniversary is very simple. You've got to focus on serving. Here's the next passage of Scripture that I love, Romans 12, 10. Paul says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. So we're loving and we're outdoing each other in showing honor. So here's the next thing that we got to know. Number three is focus on honor. We got to focus on honor. You know, every culture has its way of honoring each other. Um, there are some Asian cultures, when they introduce each other or greet each other, they bow to one another. Uh, parts of Africa, um, the, the adults always eat first, the kids always eat second. It's a way to honor. Um, in our country, we stand to honor the, uh, the national anthem, the flag. And so there, there's all kinds of ways that we honor in, in our culture. But what do you think about marriage for a minute? How do we honor each other in marriage? Think about this. When you make fun of your spouse in front of other people, does that honor or dishonor her? I mean, obviously it dishonors her. It got you a good laugh, right? Everybody, you know, you know had a good chuckle, uh, but it was at your wife's expense. See, it's the small things. Uh, when you forget special days, does that honor or dishonor, right? Important dates are, remember, are important to remember. Put them in your calendar. Um, think about this. In front of your kids, is it important to honor your wife in front of your kids? It's important to honor your husband in front of your kids. Like I heard somebody say, well, it's important for our kids to see us fight so that they know this is like real love. And I'm like, well, listen, what we teach them when we have intense fellowship is important. And what, what I mean by intense fellowship is when we are arguing, like how we argue uh, we we want to do that fairly. And, and here's kind of what I've learned um, and, and, and am learning. The way in which that I communicate and, and, and maybe dishonor Micah, my kids will take that two or three steps further. So the next time you want to dishonor your wife in front of your kids, think, think about it in that term because they're watching and they're listening. And, and uh, yeah, they need to know that uh, marriages have difficulties, but they also need to see two adults handle it uh, appropriately right? And handle their feelings and express that in a healthy way. So when dishonor, though, is, is the normal part of your relationship, when you're consistently making fun of each other, you're consistently, you know, looking at all the ways that he messed up or she messed up or he didn't do well or she's not doing great, and, and uh, you're, you're always talking about how the other person isn't good enough, you're dishonoring them. And listen to this, you're dishonoring the God who created them. You're not just dishonoring them and hurting your kids. You're dishonoring your Savior. There's a spiritual side to everything. Often people think, well, what if he or she doesn't deserve my honor? He's messed up. She's messed up. They're not, you know, doing well in the spiritual. They're not whatever. Listen, at the end of the day, like, it's not a smart question. Because the answer to the question is, you're right. They don't deserve it. Jesus never, Jesus never loves us and saves us because we deserve it. I did not deserve my salvation. I didn't deserve his grace, but he freely gave it to me. He's not saying love and honor those who deserve it. He's saying outdo one another in showing honor. It's a new way to look at it. 
It's a fresh perspective to be practical. Of course they don't deserve it. I don't deserve it either. But I'm going to outdo them in honor. And as I do, I show worship to Jesus. I connect with them. And, and listen, I choose to be faithful to my God. So we focus on showing honor. Here's the next thing. Number four, we want to focus on having fun. Focus on having fun. Right? This is so simple, but if you're not committed to having fun in your marriage, uh, chances are you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, one of the easiest ways to love your spouse and to ensure that you, know, you have a successful marriage is to actually enjoy it. Here's what Proverbs says. I love, go home and read this whole chapter, by the way. I wish we could spend the whole day on this. He says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely doe, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Think about that for a minute. I, I, I love this. Some words that should stand out to us are rejoice, have fun, enjoy each other, you know, laugh together, do things that you're going to enjoy together. This is what it means to be in a relationship that honors God. You actually have fun together. So you rejoice with her. You delight in her. Yes, delight in her body. Ladies, let him delight in your body, right? This is a good and glorious thing in marriage. If you missed last, week mess, last week's message, please go home and, and watch it. It will bless you um, in, a, in a tremendous way as a married couple. But I think the idea here is that as we rejoice and we delight physically in one another, as, as we are intoxicated with her love, and, and, and being intoxicated means that you are, you, you are content and, and filled by her and you don't need anything else or anyone else. She and she alone fills you. And you're intoxicated, man. You are, you are in love and committed and devoted to her. He says, why would you, you know, why, why would you even consider the adulteress a forbidden woman? It leads to pain, sorrow, destruction. It leads to death. Like this is a, a word from a father to his son. Right? And there's nothing, nothing here, man. Everything here should stand out to us as men. Like rejoice, delight, and do not be tempted by the adulteress. So a couple of points here. I don't think we're ever going to have fun if you don't date. If you don't regularly date each other, you're just not going to have fun. In the hallways on both sides of the auditorium, it, it, we have a date night wall with all kinds of ideas to go on a date with your spouse. The most spiritual thing that some of the marriages in the room could do all week is to go out on a date, enjoy each other. Write your ideas down. We need some good ideas out there. Add them so that we can see and, and uh, together we can, we can do better at hanging out together. I think a lot of times we think date night is a, well, when we have time, we'll, we'll get to do that. But it's not a when we get to, it's a have to. We've got to prioritize it as a have to. The other night, uh, the kids were, uh, some of them were asleep and some of them were kind of finishing up homework. Mike and I were just kind of hanging out alone. And I was like, you know what? Let's go play Mario Brothers on the Nintendo. And uh, we, we got one of those switches my, my daughter got for her birthday a few months ago. And so we went downstairs, hooked it up, and we started playing Mario Brothers. And I hadn't played it in years, but here we are. 
grown adults, <laughs> playing Mario Brothers, and we laughed. And man, I learned a few things. Number one, I learned that I am still really good at Mario Brothers, just so you know. <clears throat> Secondly, Mike is terrible at it. She, she floats around in that bubble the whole time if you play, you know, and I pass the thing. And she, anyway. But thirdly, and most importantly, laughing with your spouse is like great medicine. They say laughter is like medicine, right? And, and if that's true, then, then in our marriages, we need more laughter. And whatever that takes, we want to embrace that. Right? And we want to enjoy that. Because we're, we're, we're just simply, we're not going to have fun if we're not dating each other. Secondly here, I would say, you can't have fun when you're too busy. You can't have fun when you're too busy. If your work schedules are so packed that you can't orchestrate two or three hours to go out together and enjoy a night, you need a new career. Seriously, you need to consider a new career. You, you, you need an intervention. You, life is just too short. And, and, and for us, it's, it's, it's important that we take this step. Like, it's so simple. But if we're going to enjoy each other, we have to do things that we actually enjoy together. Listen, here's a big one. You can't have fun if you idolize your kids. Let this sink in for a minute. Somebody needs to hear this today. Because you just can't have fun if you're idolizing your kids, if you're worshiping your kids. Your husband has to be a priority over your kids. Your children will thank you when you do because it will strengthen your marriage and will actually give them an incredibly valuable gift to see what a godly marriage actually looks like. But here's the reality in America. Parenthood has become a new religion. And this new religion requires sacrifice and complete devotion. Nothing in life is as important as the parent that worships their child. And, and uh, we, we, you know, we got to be careful how we speak to them. And they come first. And we got to run around and do everything they want to do. And even things if they don't want to do, we got to make sure their little schedules are busy so that they're running around and doing everything. And, 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 and the evidence of a, you know, worshiping our kids is, is a busy schedule. You become Uber for your kids. And it's year-round sports. And by the way, you don't have to play year-round sports. In fact, research is showing that that's not actually good for their bodies, right? Little, you know, when you're, when you're seeing 15 and 16-year-old blow out their ACLs, that, that's, an, that's an issue, right, that we want to take note of. Um, when, when we see evidence on social media every single day of little Johnny doing something boring, little Johnny ate macaroni today. I don't care. I don't care, right? No, nobody does. It's, it's worshiping. Our kids. It's evidenced by the thousands of dollars we spend on our kids and their entertainment. Think about how much money you're spending on your kids. You see, parents sacrifice so much for their kids, and, and they worship their kids. If they, if they idolize their kids, then they're going to lose touch with their spouse. They're not going to know who their spouse is after five, ten years. Like, they're, they're just not going to be there. And the result also is that you're going to have a child who has a harder time experiencing success in the real world because you've made it so easy for them. They're going to show up to work and they're not going to get a ribbon for showing up. Where's my ribbon at? <laughs> I don't get a trophy. No, you don't get a trophy. You showed up on time. You're supposed to show up on time. Stop asking for a raise and do your job and shut up, right? That's what they need sometimes. Like, listen, Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents. Let that sink in. Doesn't say, parents obey your children. <laughs> Proverbs 22 says, train up a child and the way they should go. 
So as a mom and dad, it is our job to train, to tell them what they need to do and to guide them. And it's their role to obey. And I think in America, we have it flip-flop. We've got it flip-flopped and we've become a culture that idolizes our children. We've idolized them in the sense that, that they come before anything else. And the problem is when that begins to happen, we begin to worship our kids. And, 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 and as we do that, we are, are beginning to base our fulfillment on them. Because then they become our security. They become where you find acceptance in life. And, you know, a two-year-old who needs you and loves you and adores you, that child is always with you, wants to be held by you. And listen, the need to be needed is intoxicating for some. But it's also poisonous. Because we get to a point, parents, to where then we actually need that affection and love from our children and, 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 and that's where the, the idolization begins to happen and the worship of our kids begins to happen. We, we start to need their adoration. We start to need that love. We start to need that attention from our child. And over time, those children grow up and they're going to sense this undue pressure to fulfill mom or to fulfill dad. But guess what? They're incapable of doing that. They weren't created to fulfill you. Enjoy their dependence when they're little, but hold it loosely because they will become a teenager. And in those teenage years, they're going to begin to, you know, reach for their independence. And that is a healthy thing. They're going to be searching for that. They're going to, they're not going to be adoring you like they, like their two-year-old version of you. And they're not going to be running to the door anymore and, and slobbering you with wet kisses. That would be kind of weird for a 16-year-old to do that, by the way. Right? And, and, and so that's going to begin to happen. They're going to become more distant from you, a little bit more critical of you, especially sons and their moms. Like that's, a, that's kind of a natural thing that begins to happen there. And if you worship your kids, if you've idolized them, you're going to get to that season of your life and it will begin to ruin you because your security and your love and, 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 and who you are as a mom will be rocked as a dad will be rocked because you will not be getting the same amount of love and adoration and, and, and attention that you once had. Or even worse, <laughs> this is even worse, they won't desire their independence. And then they will become so emotionally attached to you that now they're not even able to have a healthy marriage or to have a healthy work-life balance why? Because they are so emotionally dependent on you and you are emotionally dependent on you, on them. And as a result, you have replaced love of Jesus for a love of your codependent, codependency on each other. It's a very dangerous place to live. All in the vein of, well, I love, but it is a very warped and wicked love that we would give. Once your little God grows up and leaves you, gets married and has their own life and their own family, you're going to try to pick up the pieces of your marriage. But at that time, it'll be too late. You won't know who this person is. Um, the divorce rate of empty nesters is on the increase. It's, it's frightening. Don't let that be you. Don't worship. Don't idolize your children. Don't idolize anything. This is, you know, have no other gods before me. Is like the biggie, right? 
And so for us as, as, as an American culture today that is completely idolizing our kids, this is, this is a call to repent and a call for you and I to say, you know what? I'm in control of your schedule, little man. I don't have to do this every single week and every single month. You know, we're running from this sport to this sport and this activity to that activity. Like, I control that as a parent, and I guide that as a parent. And, and as we do that, we walk into a way of life that begins to honor our spouse because we have more time to do so. So let's review. The review is simple, right? If we want to get to that point where we are enjoying our marriage, it's going to require a focus on godliness, but we are pursuing Jesus. It's going to require a focus on serving each other, looking for ways to serve the other person, taking away a task just to love them and to show grace to them. It's going to take a focus on having fun. And that's not a get to and one of these days we're gonna. No, it needs to be a priority. Here's when we are going to do it. We're gonna schedule it. We're gonna experience it together. We're gonna have fun together. We're gonna honor each other. Simple, right? But, but, but for some of you, like that's the biggest word of the day, like honoring each other. Using words that show that you appreciate him. You appreciate her. That, that you're, you're able to show affection to each other appropriately on a regular basis that, that shows that I'm going to honor you and, and we're growing together. Let's go back to that couple that we started with. That 50-year marriage, 60-year anniversary couple. Think about who you want to be in that moment. Think of what you want your life and your marriage to actually look like. Think about that day on your 50th wedding anniversary and your whole family is there. All the grandkids, nieces, nephews, right? And you pull out the wedding album and you pull out all the other family albums and you're, you're kind of going through those images. This was our first date, right? This was, this was our, you know, the, the story of our first kiss, this was the story of our, of our wedding or our engagement and how that whole kind of came together. Our first honeymoon story, our, our first like apartment and, and then, you know, the first job that took place and then our first child and, and then there was a graduation and then there was tuition and we remember that and we go down the list of the first grandchild and we, we, we talk about the 25th anniversary and where we were at and what we did and then we talk about the retirement party and remember that and how that all came together and, and eventually there's going to be a last anniversary. And one of you will drop the other person off to the hospital and you'll drive away knowing it's never going to be the same. But you will know this, that you put your spouse first that you decided to grow together, that you decided to live life with your partner, to love her, to love him, and that you've envisioned this whole idea of what you wanted it to look like. And, and, and in that moment, you will know, maybe for the first time ever, what love really is. And you'll walk away from that knowing that the Spirit of God has been rooting for you that whole time because you knew deep down in your DNA of who you are, like that's the way it was supposed to work. 
that's what it was supposed to be about. And you'll be able to embrace that and know with all faith and confidence that God is a good God. And that no matter what you went through as a couple, God was present and able, and he brought you through so many battles. You can worship him in that moment. I don't know where your marriage is at today, but I know these words are simple, but there's probably at least one word that stands out to you. One word that you as a couple need to go home today and say, you know what? I know there was a lot going on, but that word honor is what God just like was pounding my heart on today. I know I need to do better, honey, and, and, and let's have a conversation. I'm committing to that. Whatever word, man, focus on that. In the atrium, we've got a table set up with resources. If you're looking to dive into books and, and uh, maybe some studies as a couple, there's some great resources out there that you can buy on whatever platform you buy stuff from. Don't take those from us. Those are some buddies, uh, but uh, they're good for you to look at today. And uh, man, I'm praying for you. I know as a church, God is going to use this church as our marriages get stronger. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we bow before you today, some of us with heavy, heavy hearts, because we know we are not in a healthy relationship. For whatever reasons, we have just kind of fallen by the wayside, and we've lost focus, and God, right now, we, we just want to commit as a church and as a people that, that we're going we're gonna to focus on the areas of our marriage that need attention, and we're not going to be haphazard about it. We're not going to let our kids rule our relationship and our life. We're, we're actually going to put Jesus first, and then we're going to put our spouse first. And as we do that, we know that's going to bless our kids ultimately in the greatest way. So God, I just pray in this moment, you'll speak to our hearts and draw us closer together. All the couples in the room, Lord, every marriage that is here today, every single person on the verge of marriage, I pray even before they find their spouse, God, that even right now you are molding their heart, preparing them, God, for the one that you will set before them. Bless us, Father, as a church and as a marriage. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.